Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a Sideline Sleuth. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So for today's episode, we're going to be discussing some crimes where the victim was harmed by someone they were either with at the time of the incident or had previously been in a relationship with them. We typically discuss unsolved cases, but domestic violence is an issue that is very personal for me, and I think it's important that we talk about what these individuals experienced and bring attention to this difficult topic. All of today's cases are really recent. I'll tell you about the murder of 21-year-old Kaylin Klosterman, in September of 2018, and then the murder of 17-year-old LaShonda Childs a few weeks later. LaShonda's death took place in Dayton, Ohio, and Kaylin was killed in Oregon. I remember reading about both of these murders on Facebook and just crying, because I could see a lot of parallels between their relationships and the abusive relationship that I was in for years. I also want to share with you the story of an attempted murder-suicide that happened in my family in 2018 as well as a little bit about my personal experiences, too. So, my mom has a few siblings that she shares a father with, but that we've only met a few times. My mom didn't grow up having a relationship with her dad, which is why we've only seldomly seen this part of her family. But fortunately, her sister Susan was willing to be a part of this episode and allowed me to ask her some questions. So, on March 31st, 2018, My Aunt Susan was critically wounded by her husband, Gary Preston. They had been separated for about a week at the time that this happened. She was with her two nieces and on the phone with their mother, who was also my aunt. Susan asked her if she was home yet, to which she responded, no, but almost. Susan said that someone was in the driveway, and then her sister heard her scream two times. She called her name twice, but Susan didn't answer. So she called 911 and continued heading home. When she arrived, she found her youngest daughter outside looking for help, and her older daughter helping Susan, who was lying on the kitchen floor with a gunshot wound to her neck. I'm not not sure how old the girls were at this time, but I can't imagine seeing that. Susan's husband shot his way through the deadbolt on the door and then the doorknob. Then he shot her before he walked into the other room and pulled the trigger, ending his own life in front of his nieces. And I first read about this on Facebook, and I was like, right, this is my Your aunt. Own family. So then I called my mom, and I was like, did you see this? And she was like, oh, yeah, I did see it. And I was like, why did nobody, like, tell me about this? So it was really, like, surreal to, yeah. to read about it on the internet and it be your own family. Wow. Susan said that she had no indication that he would ever do something like this. She admits that he had been violent before, which she usually blamed on him drinking. She said that Gary had violent outbursts in the past and was physically violent towards her. Susan said that he was extremely jealous and that he even choked her one time, but she said she never could have imagined that he would pick up a weapon and do something like he did. In fact, just the day before the shooting, she said they actually had a really good talk, and then, as you know, the next day he tried to kill her, and then he did kill himself. Because they were separated. I, I, I guess, I yeah. Guess. But when, statistically, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, it's way more dangerous for you after you leave. Yeah. Fortunately, Susan survived this incident, but the bullet damaged the C5 vertebrae, and she has a spinal cord injury. Oh, my gosh. She spent a month in the ICU, 
had a trach for three months, and had to wear a neck brace for three months. After leaving the ICU, she went to a rehabilitation hospital for two months. She has undergone some rigorous therapies, but is recovering. In the beginning of her recovery, she said that she could barely move her arms, but today she can move both of them quite a bit. But unfortunately, she will be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And he was a retired state trooper. So, like, you just never really know people. Yeah, and you can't make any assumptions based on their occupation yeah. or their social commitments to justice and fairness or whatever. Yeah. The next story I'm going to tell you about is on Friday, September 14th, 2018. 21-year-old Kaylin Klosterman was murdered in her apartment, allegedly by her off-and-on-again boyfriend, Jesse Allen. Witnesses reported hearing multiple gunshots, as well as seeing a man run from the apartment and flee in a white Toyota Corolla. When responders arrived on the scene at around 2.30 p.m. that day, Kaylin was already deceased and had multiple gunshot wounds. Neighbors said that the couple moved into the apartment just three weeks before the shooting. Sometime after he moved out of their apartment, he returned to break in. The whole timeline of their relationship is difficult to stomach and understand. I think in our last episode, I talked about my apartment got burglarized last year, and that was by my ex-boyfriend also. So, like, he, we lived there together. He, we broke up. He moved out a long time before that happened, actually. And then, like, several months later, he returned to break into the apartment. Wow. And he just looked for an opportunity because you said there was, like, a maintenance Yeah, there was a maintenance situation, yeah. Which has haunted me since. (laughs) Yeah. So, when I was reading this, I was like... My apartment had been broken less than two weeks before Kayla was murdered. So I was like, this literally just happened to me. While law enforcement looked for Jesse, he was active on Facebook, interacting with people and leaving comments on photos of Kaylin, which sounds crazy, right? But despite there being this massive manhunt for him, he was commenting on pictures on her profile about how much he loved her, but how much she hurt him. And basically, he had no other choice but to kill her. Bro, what? It was really bizarre. And he was, like, responding to messages. Like, people were interacting with him on Kaylin's profile. And Knowing he was, that he did it. Yeah, and he was admitting that he did it. And, like, police heck? are looking for him, and he's just, like, talking about the murder on her Facebook. Right after he allegedly murdered her. Like, claiming that he loved her, but, like, simultaneously blaming her for what he did to her. Yeah, that's, there's such a sickness even in that. Like, how do you have the audacity to comment on her stuff? I thought you loved her after you, after you shot her multiple times. Yeah. And Kaylin's Facebook has since been removed, but there is a Facebook group called Justice for Kaylin. But Jesse's Facebook is still open. Like, oh. That's where I got all these pictures of him from. But, and Jess, then her the pictures I got of her were from the Justice for Kaylin or from Jesse's page. But... Yes, there's no comments, like none of these comments are available anymore because they were on her profile. Got you. Numerous people were demanding that he turn himself in for what he did, and it was it was kind of just surreal to watch it happen in real time. Like I remember I was laying in bed and I opened my Facebook and somebody had sent it to me because it reminded them of me, I guess, and I was just like sobbing, laying in my room, and they still hadn't found him at the time I was reading it, and he was still like it would have been just like hours earlier he was on there saying stuff about it. His vehicle was found. I don't know if that's just like bold or just he's just stupid. I think it's both of them. Yeah, because there's that's a lot of you incriminated yourself, sir. Like yeah, multiple times. His vehicle was found nearly 24 hours after the shooting, but Jesse was still at large. 
He was eventually apprehended around 5 p.m. on Saturday, so a little more than 24 hours after it happened. He surrendered without incident, and the weapon believed to have been used in the shooting was also recovered. Friends of Kaylin said that she and Jesse were together for about four years and called it both abusive and toxic in their publicized statements. Friends say that he was always verbally and emotionally abusive and that they were angry and disappointed when she would always take him back, which I can relate to. I know for years everybody in my life was angry and disappointed at me when I would take him back. Two months before Kaylin's murder, Jesse was arrested with two other individuals for disorderly conduct. He also has a juvenile record, but those documents are sealed. It's so hard for people to understand how someone can stay in an abusive relationship, and it's hard to explain. By the time you realize you need to get out, you feel like you can't. I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> You're already in too deep. Oftentimes they condition you to accept it, to blame yourself, to give them multiple chances. You're groomed to feel poorly about yourself. They convince you that things are your fault, or that only they could love you. And when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's terrible. And you think about the good times, and you're hopeful that they return, because you know that it is possible. In my situation, he wasn't always mean to me. A lot of times he was sweet and patient, doting and affectionate, but other times he would call me terrible names and tell me that he would kill me one day. Tell me how he would harm me if I ever left him. When things were good and he would say things like, I'll never give up on us, I thought it was sweet. But when they were bad and he'd say things like, there's nowhere you could ever hide from me, or that I couldn't leave because he would always find me, and that there's nothing I could ever do that would truly protect me from him, those were scary. And after hearing this so much, you start to believe them. There were also times where I felt like the safest thing for me was to actually take him back, to be in his good graces, to keep him happy with me. Recently, I learned that despite my attacker being a convicted felon, that his wife bought him a gun for his birthday this summer. When I told some friends about this, they were shocked, wondering how someone could buy such a dangerous man a gun. But I understood. Though I never did it, I gave in to countless other demands of his to protect myself. It was easier, safer, to give him what he wanted because then hopefully I wouldn't be the target of his rage and his abuse. Plenty of times he would leave and I would cry and actually beg him to come back. But that was part of his plan. He needed to be in my head that way so that I would accept my circumstances and he was in control. You start to believe the awful things they tell you. If I only did A, B, C, then he wouldn't X, Y, Z, but that isn't true. You know that it's wrong, and no matter how smart you are, I mean, I have a master's degree. <laughs> he has like an eighth grade education. <laughs> Actually, that's not true, he has a GED, but no matter how smart you are or what kind of support network you have, women leave and return to abusive relationships an average of seven times before they are ever truly able to escape if they ever escape. I know I was never physically trapped, but I felt every day for years that I was trapped, that I'd never be free. I would cry myself to sleep, often wishing for the day that he would leave me alone for good, but also fearing for the unsuspecting girl he would select after me. I told my mom that 
at least when he killed me, it would send him to prison for good, and then he wouldn't be able to hurt anybody else. And she said she wasn't willing to sacrifice her daughter to protect the world from him. But I loved him, and I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. In the support groups I'm in, multiple women say that while they do not feel their lives are in imminent danger, they are certain he will harm them and take their life one day. And I felt that way for a long time. Honestly, sometimes I still do. I was diagnosed with CPTSD in 2018, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. You guys are probably familiar with PTSD. That's like, it's much more talked about, I guess. But PTSD arises from a single traumatic experience and CPTSD is from a series of events or one prolonged event, such as domestic violence. But, not that you can tell by how I'm crying, but I'm doing really well at the moment and I never used to sleep. I used to sleep in like 45 minute stretches and then I'd get up and walk around my apartment and check locks, make sure my car was still there. I never, I had nightmares and debilitating flashbacks, but September, so last month I made one year of being nightmare and flashback free, but still every day when I get out of my car at home, I have to be hyper vigilant. I look for cars I don't recognize. I send photos of suspicious vehicles to my sister. I take pictures of license plates of my surroundings and they auto upload to my Google folder. I call somebody every day when I walk home from the gym, like no matter like what time of day it is, I, I call someone to talk to me because I'm, you never know. If you listen to the Crime Junkie podcast, you know about something called an If I Go Missing file. So I have one of those and I've shared it with people in the event that something happens to me, which is a terrible way to live, but at least I'm alive and Kaylin isn't, and my heart hurts for her because I know she must have loved that man who killed her, but she couldn't escape. And I read something recently that said, you often hear a lot of guys talk about their crazy ex-girlfriends, but you don't often hear about crazy ex-boyfriends. And that's because those girls can't get out. And if they do, it's not alive. On Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, LaShonda Childs was shot in the head by her former boyfriend, Trendell Goodwin. Her current boyfriend rushed her to the hospital where she died from her injuries on the morning of October 3rd. So yesterday was one year since LaShonda lost her life. LaShonda and Trendell, her murderer, started dating in September of 2017. Initially, he lied about his age and told LaShonda that he was 20 years old. According to her family, the relationship quickly grew aggressive and abusive and continued even after they broke up. LaShonda died two days before her 18th birthday. At the time, Trendell was 28. So she was 17 and he was 28. It's like a, a huge yeah. gap. Trendell and LaShonda had a history of violence in their relationship, but Trendell also had a history of violence in other relationships. His history of abuse allegations include 15 bookings into the Montgomery County Jail. In 2016, he was convicted of assault against another woman. The victim in that incident asked to not be named when she spoke to the media, but she said Trendell wanted to have a romantic relationship with her, but she was not interested. Wow. So just so the he, year before, yeah. Yeah. And so he he was that violent against her, yeah. and she just didn't want to yeah, just she, reject Yeah, they were him. never together, yeah. Wow. She said, quote, it was beyond a nightmare. He followed me home to find out where I lived at. 
he beat me up, end quote. She went on to say that Trendell would call her constantly and try to hack her social media profiles. Also in 2016, Trendell received probation for the felony of carrying a concealed weapon. It ended after one year, but according to court records, he could have received as many as five years of supervision for that incident. It just makes me mad that I was thinking about this yesterday, actually last night, and I was like, how do grown men, how do men get unchecked for so long yeah. that they can be adults with physical power? Yeah. Um, like the, you know, the yeah, build the, of the a strength, grown man, yeah, man, the strength yeah. of a grown man, and no checks on how they interact with a woman, how they deal with being rejected, which is so common. Yeah. Everyone gets rejected. Suck it up. And but like fragile masculinity they just can't handle it i don't know like okay but i mean like that's a a part of like life it's yeah. not always going to go your way and you can't shoot people or stalk people or something when you like don't you get, get your out way of middle school without getting rejected yeah. okay so i probably yeah. did yeah i mean <laughs> I don't in small ways school, we just we just got taught not to freaking yeah blow up yeah. on people but women the way we're taught to interact with other people or present ourselves is like that re- we really have that like act like a lady or do this or and yeah. they're unchecked like you said not all of them but yeah yeah it's just surprising to me that so many men can, yeah can are unregulated yeah cra- yeah cracks, mm-hmm. so to speak and then the Charged. the justice system giving them weak yeah things or leniency when they've shown you a pattern yeah 15 like, times point, lock this fool at some up point throw away the get, key yeah. yeah nina childs lashonda's mother reported the same kind of behavior between trendell and her daughter she said, quote, he would call 70 times a day. You would think the number was on speed dial, redial, end quote. She said that he would also threaten LaShonda on social media, saying that he would kill her and anybody that she was with. Her mother also stated, yeah, so like publicly. Publicly, like a record, a written record. Yeah. Her mother also stated that at one point LaShonda told her, Mom, he made me walk from our house to his house with a gun pointed at my back. I was scared for my life and my family's life. At some point... I can understand you make a decision to sacrifice yourself for other people. Like, I'll just go along with what he says. I'll just do what he says because it's safer that way, which is sad that there's, like, literally nothing you can do to protect yourself. And it doesn't sound like she was, like, I mean, she wasn't with him for a super long time. Like, the whole thing spanned a year. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a long time. On February 19th, 2018... Trendell was arrested after LaShonda told police that he hit her in the face and bit her on the shoulder during an argument. The bite was so hard that it drew blood. Child had a fresh bite mark on her left shoulder. The left side of her face was swollen where she claimed Goodwin hit her. She also had abrasions on the right side of her neck and her nose was bleeding at one point. Dayton Municipal Court and jail records show Trendell served 19 days of a 180-day sentence for this misdemeanor assault. He was also ordered not to have contact with LaShonda. On September 22, 2018, a Facebook profile belonging to Trendell using the name Trenny Mack made threatening statements towards another woman, but she declined to pursue charges. A week before that, on September 15th, the same police officer who took the report before responded to a complaint about shots being fired into the child's family residence. LaShonda's family told media outlets that she was unable to successfully separate herself from Trendell Goodwin and that their history had long included domestic violence. On September 21st, just weeks before her murder, she made a really eerie Facebook post. She said, quote, All jokes aside, though, everybody wants a crazy expletive until he got you hiding and dodging bullets. 
If you see the signs, don't ignore it, y'all. Domestic violence is real, not just in the movies. This expletive done broke several phones, busted out windows, followed me from my house to wherever, bit me several times, threw me into walls, made me walk places with a gun to my back, put all my stuff in the sewer, held me hostage in a house and didn't let me leave, sat and waited at abandoned houses and watched me, pulled my whole sew-in off, leaving bald spots and all that, now he done set my hair on fire and shot my house up, and that ain't even half he did, but I'm telling y'all, that ain't where it's at. If y'all see the signs, don't ignore it. I should have less I should have left that expletive a long time ago. Now I ain't even safe in my own house. End quote. So that was on September twenty first, and he shot her on October second. Oh my god. Goodwin using his Facebook alias Trenny Mac commented on that post stating this is the 12th or 13th time she said I did something, but still coming back. Stop it. Wow. Like, the nerve. Like, he's just, like, bold, like, brazen, you know? Like, it, that's the thing. Like, he's stupid, he's an idiot, and he's a... And he's confident in it. Yeah, ex- that's the thing that, that's what bothers me. I he, mean, everything bothers me. Just, just yesterday, I was hanging out with one of my friends who still has my abuser on Snapchat, and he is, has his gun out in every photo. He's a convicted felon, and he's talking about how he wants to go shoot these two guys who his wife cheated on him with or something. And I'm like, the internet is forever. Yeah. Like, Snapchat, you might think your stuff disappears in 24 hours, but it does not disappear in 24 hours. It's just a different level of stupid that I'm not used It's Yeah. It's still unchecked stupidity. Confident unchecked stupidity, like... One of the most alarming comments on LaShonda's post was from a friend who suggested she block him because he, quote, got way too much access to you, end quote. And LaShonda responded, blocking him don't help. He stole my phone. He can get access to all my stuff. Her friend then told her to leave the city before you end up dead somewhere. Like that was her exact, quote, leave the city before you end up dead somewhere, end quote. LaShonda said, I am. Aside from that posting, LaShonda posted multiple times on social media about how scared she was of Trendell. On the morning of September 21st, she also posted that he had stolen her phone and set her on fire. You set somebody on fire. Yeah, like the complete disregard for her life. Like you don't love somebody when you hurt them. Yeah. And that, like that's like going over, that's like calculated, almost like creative. It's like, like cruel. Like yeah. I don't know. But yeah, setting someone on fire is not something you can just do in like a heat of the moment. Like yeah, you, you can't have an argument and then set somebody on fire. Yeah. yeah. On October 2nd, the day she was shot, she called 911. Police were dispatched to a location around 2 p.m. on a report of a violation of a protective order. LaShonda is the person who made that 911 call. She said, quote, I'm scared. He's got a gun. I can't talk. I can't talk. I'm in a bad situation, end quote. She told police that Trendell Goodwin was holding a gun to her boyfriend's head and that she had an order of protection against Goodwin. Trendell got into a verbal argument with LaShonda and that man before he pulled out his weapon. And that's when LaShonda made that 911 call. On the way to the scene, police learned that there was a female gunshot victim who was LaShonda Childs and that she was being privately transported to the hospital. The other man and LaShonda were able to get into their car and they tried to drive away. Court documents indicate that that's when Trendell Goodwin fired multiple shots into the vehicle, hitting LaShonda in the head. According to LaShonda's brother, Jalen, Trendell continued to contact LaShonda even after they broke up. Quote, she was really in the process of leaving, he said. As you know, on average, 
women leave and return to an abusive relationship seven times before they are able to really leave for good. The victimizing question that surrounds women in these type of situations is, okay, so why didn't she just leave him? I know a lot of people wonder how or why that's even possible, and the answer too often is that many women who do leave die. They get killed. The most dangerous time for a woman in an abusive relationship is after she leaves. Somewhere between 50% and 75% of domestic violence homicides happen at the point of separation or after the victim has already left her abuser. The U.S. Justice Department reports that the majority of domestic violence assaults, not just homicides, reported to law enforcement take place after the couple has separated. I mean, when I, I was stabbed in 2017, and it was almost eight months after we broke up, so I had contact with him, of course, in those eight months since we broke up, but I didn't get assaulted, like, when I was with him or the day after I left him. It was, like, months later. Because of this, many people go back in an attempt to protect themselves and, quote, the statistics are that women in abusive relationships are about 500 times more at risk when they leave than when they stay. Every day, three women are murdered by a current or former partner. According to a global study on homicide, of all women who were the victims of homicide worldwide, about half of them were killed by a current or former intimate partner. 4,774,000 women in the U.S. experience physical violence by an intimate partner every single year. Two months after the assault case where Trendell hit and bit LaShonda, she wrote a letter to the judge asking for leniency. According to the Artemis Center, a resource for domestic violence victims in Dayton, Ohio, where LaShonda was killed, quote, it's common for women to renounce earlier statements about their partners in abusive relationships. Yeah, because they're scared victims are more likely to recant because of fear, end quote. Whenever my person was in jail for the knife incident, he called me every single day and asked me to sign an affidavit of non-prosecution every single day. I never signed it, but I had, in Texas, I don't know how it works other places, but there is a crime victim's compensation. And in order for me not to have to pay for my medical bills for my assault, I had to testify. Like I had to cooperate, not necessarily testify. So I had a $1,400 emergency room bill for my stitches and stuff in my arm. And if I signed the affidavit of non-prosecution, I would have been on the hook for the $1,400. So me being broke really helped me there because yeah. I was like, I even I loved him, even though he just cut me. But I couldn't. I yeah. couldn't sign it because I, I don't have $1,400. That I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. It's kind of... It's kind of smart. They'll also help you move, like break a. You can break a lease if you're a domestic violence victim. They'll help you pay, pay deposits other places, but all if yeah. you cooperate with the investor. So if you drop the charges, they can't help you do anything. But I, I mean, even when I'm thinking about like the just the it's medical a, bills thing, yeah. like that's a good incentive, and then you have yeah. a record of yes. like complaints against yeah. this fake person, and then that person eventually has to get off the streets, or at least you have a restraining order or something yeah. you can enforce. The Artemis Center director went on to say that a lot of times it's because batterers are saying things to them like, quote, this case better get dropped or more violence is going to occur, end quote. Police reports indicate that both before and after LaShonda wrote that letter, there were several accusations of domestic violence. The thought of returning to the relationship to protect yourself is really real. If they're not going to go away, if they're not ever going to leave you alone, you think 
I might as well be on their good side because you already know what they're capable of. So like if they're gonna if they're telling you it's never gonna stop and they're telling you they're gonna do this, you're like, well, I might as well make him happy. Yeah, and I might as well make this as as pleasant yeah. as possible because it's still gonna happen. Yeah, if it's if it's gonna happen regardless, I might as well you know unquote pleasant. Yeah, terrible word, but it's yeah the only thing I can as bearable as possible. Yeah. A police report from October 11th, 2017 indicates that LaShonda said Trendell became upset because he thought she was texting someone else and he threw her phone against the wall and then into the street and tossed her purse into a sewer. If the previous timeline is correct, they began dating that September. So in what, like a month? Oh my God. In a month. So I had I had a little bit more time in my... I had. He was able to create a whole persona and, like, let me buy into it yeah. for a while before. Megan, I think that's really common. Yeah, I think that's so, too. The they don't show you who they are. Yeah, it's, they, a, it's they a game. They shower you with love at first, yeah. and then you're like, Ooh, it's love. A, it's a predatory thing, for sure. Yeah. But his trendel escalated very quickly with LaShonda. But she's also a child. You have to remember, like, what is your frontal lobe not, like, fully developed to, like, 25 or something? Yeah. So she was 17. She was a so I don't know how it would have been for me if I was 17. There is another police report from Christmas Eve 2017 indicating that LaShonda told police Trendell again accused her of texting another man, poured a drink on her, and then attempted to drag her out of a vehicle by her feet. There are also several other police reports of disputes in January, February, and March of 2018. About a month after the April 2018 letter that LaShonda wrote to the judge, her mother Nina reported to police that Trendell was threatening to kill LaShonda. According to a document filed in the Dayton Municipal Court, Trendell also abducted LaShonda on January 31st, 2018. The police report stated that Trendell Goodwin slapped his girlfriend LaShonda Childs in the face after she told him that she was leaving to go hang out with a friend. The argument escalated until Goodwin threatened to knock out LaShonda. Goodwin then kicked LaShonda out of the residence with little clothing. After Childs attempted to make contact with neighbors, she returned to the residence in an attempt to retrieve clothing and shoes. Goodwin then dragged Childs into the residence and would not allow her to leave. When DPD arrived on the scene, Childs could be heard from inside the residence yelling that he would not let her out. To effect the arrest, DPD forced entry into the home where Goodwin was taken into custody. Municipal court records show that on February 9th, 2018, the case was ignored by the grand jury. What? So, the cops, she was held hostage. She mentioned that in her Facebook post. The, he yeah, was arrested, but then it, he was never indicted. What? Looked like the cops were there, they're witnesses, right? Yeah, but the grand jury, I don't know. A lot of times they people they victim blame, even when they're yeah, even though they don't realize that that's what they're doing, they're like, Oh, there's this many accounts of her saying he did this, and then she keeps associating with him. So I think people question how afraid you really must be. Yeah. But, but that's but you don't know until you're in it. On September tenth. Devastating. And it's just and the system just fails people every day. On September 10th, 2018, a judge ordered an additional year of probation for Goodwin and continued an April decision for a criminal protection order that mandated Trendell stay 500 feet away from LaShonda. 500 feet is nothing. Yeah, I just rolled my eyes. This document was in place at the time of her murder. The sad thing... Excellent yeah. job thing. Yeah. The sad thing about all of this is that it seemed like LaShonda was trying to get out. She was trying to get away from her abuser. She was calling the police. She, she had another boyfriend. She had a older boyfriend, did. yeah. She was making that tough but necessary choice to involve law enforcement, which is always terrifying because you worry about retaliation, and yet her actions just weren't enough. She had a protective order, and he still killed her because documents are just pieces of paper 
not shields or suits of armor. Three days later, on September 13th, 2018, Trendell caused what was described as burn injuries to LaShonda during a robbery attempt at her residence. According to reports, Trendell allegedly lit LaShonda's wig on fire and threw it at her, and then took her cell phone. The detective report states, Mr. Goodwin caught Miss Childs on her front porch and tried to pull her by the hair. Her hair had been a wig and was pulled off. After noticing it was a wig, Mr. Goodwin lit the wig on fire and threw it on top of Miss Childs, causing burns to her left bicep. The burning sensation caused her to drop her phone. Mr. Goodwin picked the phone up and fled the scene. Mr. Goodwin has been sending threatening comments to Miss Childs and Miss Childs' friends and relatives since this incident. This guy is has a pattern. You said it. He has a pattern of abuse. He not just with Lashonda. Not just with Lashonda. He's able to get a gun, and he's a criminal. And he's a criminal, convicted criminal. And then he's he's. All over the internet, he's got a like a pattern of messages that are going out to her friends and family, and they won't lock this dude up. He's clearly violating any type yeah. of conditions Protective of order, his. Yeah. yeah, he's clearly violating any type of the conditions of him being just even just ex con. Yeah, the or con. I I don't understand why we even give them conditions if we don't enforce them. Like yeah, if we, we don't, don't care if you to adhere to them. Like if we're gonna do nothing about this, then why even get why waste everybody's time and resources if you yeah. don't care? So when I call probation and I'm like, this is what's happening and he's I know he's not supposed to be doing this, this is happening. He has a gun. He's contacting me indirectly through a third party. He's doing it. and then there's like, we'll make a note of it. I'm like, why do you care? Why yeah. did you why give you him these stipulations? Yeah, why did you give him these stipulations if you don't care if he follows through with them? Like at what point do we do something else about it? And then they're just like, we'll document it. So I mentioned earlier that on September 15th, there was a report that shots had been fired into LaShonda's family's house. And also on September 25th, there was a report of LaShonda being threatened. And all of that, so the shots fired into the home on the 15th, the reports about him threatening her, all of this is happening while she has an order of protection. I feel like shots fired. That's it. I don't know. That's if they attempted could, murder. I don't know if they could prove that it was him. I don't give two hot days. Obviously, it's I'm him. gonna go look and see. Does he have a gun? Yeah. Oh, probation <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Some violation yeah. of something. Yeah. Wow. Trendell is facing charges of murder, felonious assault, and improper discharge of a weapon. He has entered a plea of not guilty. What a arrogant son of a gun. In the relationship I was in, I went back over and over again. He had a prior criminal record, though it wasn't anything like family violence. And my family was really angry at me after the fact. But honestly, I had no idea that this was in the realm of possibility for him. I never thought he was dangerous or violent, but I was wrong. My biggest fear initially was that my son and I would get attached to him and he would leave and break our hearts. I never imagined the ways that he would actually hurt us. Fortunately, I escaped. LaShonda escaped that relationship, but ultimately not completely. But women are not the only victims of these crimes. On June 4th, 2019 in Oklahoma, a woman named LaSharon Carter shot and killed her boyfriend, 22-year-old John Larry, and their 14-month-old child before killing herself. LaSharon came out of the apartment, said that she was sorry, went back inside. Neighbors heard two more gunshots, one of which killed the baby. And so it's not just women who are assaulted by their significant others. Men are also victims. 
With that being said, if you are a victim of domestic violence, please know it is never your fault and there are resources available to help you even if you are not ready or able to leave that relationship yet. If you know someone who is a victim, be supportive by listening to them and asking how they're doing. Offer to help if you are willing and able and tell them about the resources available to them, such as a 24 hour a day, seven day a week hotline for domestic violence victims. They are there to help. The number for that hotline is 1-800-799-7233, or you can go online to thehotline.org. And in case of an emergency, always dial 911. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sideline sleuths. 